The traditional prayer that we have for this service was written by Max Kutz, the late Unitarian Universalist minister Max Kutz, who preceded me. Um, I served at the congregation in Fitchburg, Massachusetts before coming here many years ago, and uh, Max Kutz was one of my predecessors in Fitchburg. And Max wrote, Let us pray to the God who holds us in the hollow of his hand, to the God who holds us in the curve of her arms, to the God whose flesh is the flesh of the hills and the hummingbirds and the angleworms, whose skin is the color of an old black woman and a young white man, and the color of the leopard and the grizzly bear and the green grass snake, whose hair is like the aurora borealis, rainbows, nebulae, waterfalls, and a spider's web, whose eyes sometimes shine like the evening star and the fireflies, and then again like an open wound, whose touch is both the touch of life and the touch of death, and whose name is everyone's. And what shall we pray? Let us say, thank you. And let us hold this moment together in quiet. Amen. This day is ours, its beauty, its promise, its weight of sorrow and disappointment, the brightness of its opportunity for doing and achieving, of its opportunity for the deepening of love and understanding. This day is ours, even as we make it ours by the readiness and warmth of our appreciations. For from it, we shall receive according to the measure of our giving. Let our giving then be of ourselves and from the heart. May there be laughter in this day. And if there be tears, then generous tears. Another day? Ah, yes, a day. The span of life. The span of life passes and the time of our years is all too brief. Let us therefore make room in our fellowship for those who have need of our love. Make room for the uprooted ones who have rejected their past but cannot find a future. Make room for the withdrawn who alone know their woes and have not yet found the courage to share them. Let, us, let them sense that ours is not a judging fellowship. Each of us is troubled by conduct we regret and stands in need of forgiveness. Make room for the proud who think they know all the answers and for those who have no answers at all. Make room for the sophisticates who think they know how to act and for those who are too confused to act at all. Make room for the critical who disturb the status quo and for the uncritical who accept it. Make room for each of us in our human condition. Let us deal gently with each other, and let us make room in our fellowship for each other. For the span of life passes, and the time of our years is all too brief. In Betweenness by Richard Gilbert. We live in betweenness. 
in between festivals of gratitude and joy, in between seasons of contrasting color, between floods of brightness and seas of whiteness. We live in betweenness on a remote island outpost in a fathomless space, surrounded by meteors, comets, rays, and nothingness in which there is no right or left, up or down, only betweenness. We live in betweenness, not quite atop apex of joy or in nether of sorrow, rather in the moving space between, uncertain of our location. We live in betweenness, walking from city of birth to death, hoping along the way to see something of beauty, to touch hands with those we love, to give more than we get, to make sense of it all. We live in betweenness. Never too late. It is never too late to live. We, students of life, improvise as we go, like learning the piano in public. We celebrate our ecstatic triumphs and endure our painful defeats in full, in full view of the world. Unlike a school with walls, the Academy of Life has no final exam. There are no term papers due. There is only learning as we go, making our mistakes mean something. In this Academy of Spirit, there is no failure or success as the world understands them. There's only passing through the fire of experience and coming through to the other side, both scarred and purified. In this academy of this spirit, it does not matter how badly we have failed or how wonderfully we have succeeded. There's only learning how to live. A life in time, it is never too late, never too late. So long as we breathe, so long as the spirit sings its songs, into the chasms of life and of death, it is never too late to live. January 1st. We have a new trial of time, a year by fear yet untrammeled, a decade of a, by anxiety not yet stained, a time to measure, make, or mar. And Judgment Day is every day and the divine judge is as near at hand as we ourselves, we the ones on trial, we the accused, the judge and jury, prosecution and defense rolled into one person, one people of earth. We have a new trial of time. May history judge us worthy. May our progeny recall us in pride. May we learn to live with our amazing possibilities and our incredible limitations in courage and joy. It must be here somewhere. Um, 
Okay, so, so for this service, it's traditional for me to give a very short little homily, and then we go right into our fire communion. And, and sometimes the inspiration for that homily will come to me as a result of an accumulation of the, the various services that we've had, usually starting from Thanksgiving and, and going through the month of December, and sometimes something will occur uh, that will, oh, that's it, that's it. And then, and then um, some years, like this year, you know, I'll just be going about my stuff in the locker room at the Y after I've done my workout, and a story will present itself to me. And, and so, so uh, my friend Paul told me this story, and his summation of the story after he told it to me was, so there's your Christmas sermon. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, well, no, but, but maybe fire communion. So, so my friend Paul went up to Vermont a few weeks ago to pick up his son from college, and he, he drove up, and they were going to spend some enjoyable time driving back on, on blue highways while they were in Vermont and coming back down through New England. And so they did, and they went into all of these little towns, and what my friend Paul noticed was that so many families had gone to the local cemeteries, you know, where those gravestones go back forever and ever, and, and so many families would go into the cemeteries and they had placed wreaths on the graves. Do any of you have that practice? Some of you do, at least one of us. Um, so, so my friend Paul had never thought of putting, like most of you, had never thought of putting a, a wreath on a grave and he thought, what a wonderful idea. And in the most recent years here, his mother and his father and his sister had all died, and they were all buried together in a family plot at the cemetery, and he thought, and he said to his son, when we get home, I'm going to order a wreath, and we'll take it out, and we'll, we'll put it on grandma and grandpa and, and auntie's grave. And so they made a plan, and um, so that week was going by, and on on Thursday, Paul called the florist and ordered a wreath to be made and, and, and to get a stand for it. And sure enough, he went in then on Saturday, um, Saturday, December 14th. Does that mean anything to any of you? Saturday, December 14th, he went into the florist shop and, uh, and, and picked up the wreath. And by the time they got to the cemetery, the snow was probably two inches, two inches deep maybe, and, and Paul sort of knew the terrain of the cemetery. He had his different gravestones that he knew he had to turn here and go so far, and then he would see this other gravestone, he'd turn and, and he, would, he would go there, and, and, and then he got beyond the point where the gravestones were standing upright to the place where the gravestones were buried on the ground and the, the, the print was facing, facing up, and, and he'd find himself stepping on, he'd say, oh, pardon me, Mr. Hoviak, and, 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 and take a few steps, and, and pardon me, Mrs. Jones, and he'd, he'd take a few more steps, and, and he, the, the graves were covered in snow, with two, three inches of snow, and he got to where he was pretty sure his parents and his sister's graves were. And so he bent down, no, no, Mrs. Uh, uh, Van de Handy, that, that's not right. And, and, and finally, he had brushed off dozens of gravestones and could not find his parents' gravestone. 
And so he set the wreath up on the stand, and he said, Mom and Dad, and, and sis, this is here for you. <laughs> and I, I know that you can appreciate that we brought it for you, and it's just over here. <laughs> it's just over here. And, and as I was thinking about Paul's story, I'm thinking, you know, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It, does, it doesn't matter that we have the right spot. What matters is that, that he connected with the idea of connecting with his parents, that he made the effort and, and went through uh, all the steps that he needed to take in order to get that wreath there for his parents, and that wreath was there for his parents. And it didn't matter that he didn't know exactly where those stones were, but I'll bet next year he does know. <laughs> but it, it didn't matter, and I thought, that, that's what people need to hear before the new year, that, that we don't need to get caught up on on the really little things, that the bigger things are what really matters. And I really believed that message completely until yesterday. <laughs> until yesterday when, uh, okay, so this story is, is my story, and it starts way back at the beginning of July when, when I noticed that at way too many leaves were on the ground in our backyard. It was like autumn already in July. And you know, and I, I would mow the grass and blow all the leaves away, and then I would go out the next day, and the yard would be full of leaves again. And, and so finally I looked up, and this tree that was in our neighbor's yard behind us, one of the most massive trees I've ever seen. It had, you know, up about, I don't know, 30 feet. It had five or six trunks that were as large as most of the trees were coming out of the ground. It was that big, just twisted. And it was an elm tree that had finally, after all these years, got the Dutch elm disease, and it was dying. And so I started working with the township to try to get that tree taken down. And it doesn't matter what town you're in, it, it's challenging. <laughs> but when I finally went to the, the, the mayor's secretary, we finally started getting some traction. Not the forester's office, not the zoning department office, but, but the, the mayor's secretary was able to get some traction. But I, I still didn't know what was going, when this was going to take place, but just that things had been put in gear so that it would take place. Well, yesterday morning, we're having coffee, and we're looking out the window, and this gigantic boom truck pulls in, and this crew of guys get out, and they situate the boom truck, and, and, and this boom literally goes up into the air because it, it's marked on the boom how far it's going. It was up over 160 feet in the air. This is an enormous, enormous tree. And, and we've got a crew of the, the high wire guy, right, who's up in the tree actually doing the cutting. Then we've got the, the boom chief who operates that boom. Then we've got the, 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 the ground chief who's in charge of the other two ground guys. And I'm astonished for like two hours, they're, and they're not done yet. They, uh, my guess is they're there working on it right now, but, but for two hours what I watched was this incredible precision dance. Let it be a dance? Yes, they were letting it be a dance. This incredible precision dance that kept them all safe. And I'm thinking, well, maybe it does matter where things are. You know, maybe maybe it does matter where we put things and, and where we leave things. And, and 
and how we pay attention to that. And, and so then I, I came up with, no, the first thing is still true. The first thing is still very true, but so is the second part, that, that there are times that we need to, need to pay very, very close attention to the particulars that, that we're dealing with. And so I, I started, okay, so what's the difference? When does it matter what we're doing? And, and, and what I came up with for that is, is that it matters when things are physical that we pay attention to their physicality. And when things are more internal to ourselves, probably what matters most is that we're connecting the inside and the outside with that. And the specificity of it probably matters less. And so, so you know, when things are true on the inside, it almost doesn't matter a lot how true they appear to be on the outside. Like Santa Claus, you know, we know that Santa Claus is true. And yet the outside world tells us to doubt that regularly, right? So, so, so there are times when that which is on the inside is important just because it's the truth. And Paul being there in the cemetery was experiencing a truth that, that had no bearing on where exactly those graves were. And yesterday, the tree-cutting crew had a whole different experience of truth that they depended on each other, and in their dependence on each other, were able to do some very important work that saved probably our garage, our deck, our house, uh, the neighbor's house as well, and, 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 and maybe the, the, uh, the neighbors who own the tree. So, so the takeaway for me in this is that there are times when it's important for us to figure out what's going on here, and then we need to act on those times. There are other times when it's important for us to know what's going on in the world and our exact role in participating in what's going on in the world. And I don't know, the final answer is, I don't know fully how to discern the difference between those times. I only know that I'd better pay attention so that when it's one of them, I know that that's the gear that I'm in, and when it's the other one, that that's the gear that I'm in. And I think that that's always about paying attention. So you're gonna have to figure out for yourself. So you know what I want you to know going into the new year, there are gonna be times when it doesn't matter where you put it then there are going to be times where it matters enormously where you put it. And I want you to, to have a good journey in figuring out when those times are. Bless you, Steve. So may your roots grow deep, your branches spread far. May you find the world to be a wonderful place and leave it even better for those who follow. Now, we're going to have our fire communion in a moment. And, and what... This is, this is how it will go. In your order of service, there are two blank pieces of paper. If anybody does not have those blank pieces of paper, if you'd raise your hand, David has some that he can pass out. And um, does everybody have something to write with? We, we have need for people writing things. Michael, do you still have the pencils? Do we know where those pencils are? Oh, you've got the paper and the pencils. Okay. Okay, so just raise your hand and David will get you what you need. So one of those pieces of paper will be for you to write down 
the things that you're ready to let go of, you know, maybe, maybe things from this past year, maybe from the past several years, but the things that you're ready and want to let go of. And if you'd write those on one of the pieces of paper, and then on the other piece of paper, if you would write down the things you would like to aspire to in the new year. We're not talking about resolutions. We're talking about aspirations. So the things that you'd like to aspire to in the new year or the things that you'd like to attract or draw into your life. Okay, this is a very pagan ceremony. Um, which reminds me, thank you, Michael, um, that... that uh, for those of you who might not have caught the rhythm of, of this, we have four communion services every year. We begin our year with the water communion, yes? And then fire communion is the second communion service we have. So from September, then at the end of December, we have fire communion. And then in the spring, we have earth communion. And then in the, in the later spring, early summer, we have what we call flower communion that takes the place of air. Uh, so we have... We have water, fire, earth, and air. And today is our fire communion. So, so if you would write on those two pieces of paper, Stearns is going to play some lovely music for us as we're thinking about what we want to write and what we're writing. And, and, and then once you have them, please don't fold them up into little bitty chunks. Those never burn well. They never burn well. If you want to fold it over once, go ahead and do that. But, but one fold is probably plenty. Then we'll have you come up Serious, I'm a, I'm a, a German Virgo anal retentive kind of person. So, um, so one fold. Um, we'll, we'll have you come up the center aisle and, and return on the side aisles if you would. And, and the way that we will begin it is um, that when I think the, the room is ready, I will go and light mine from the candle. And then um, as I do that, if you would start lining up, Jenny, then we'll go second, and then we'll have you just start right in, and uh, we'll just keep feeding the fire. All right. Stearns?
things that you set out to let go have been released to the universe. All of those things that you have called to yourself have been called from the universe. So after the service is over, I'm going to take this, uh, we should probably call it a cauldron, shouldn't we? <laughs> I'm going to take this cauldron out to our memorial garden and spread the ashes out there, just as we do with our water communion, and we spread the water connecting us with those of the past. Today we'll spread the ashes and we'll connect those ashes with those ashes and those who have been here with us in the past. The closing words are from the ancient Anxeshong text from ancient Egypt. May the floodwaters never fail to come. May the fields never fail to flourish. May children do honor to their father and mother. May the moon follow the sun and not fail to rise. May I recognize my friends that I may share goods with them. May I recognize my brother and sister that I may open my heart to them. And may life always follow death. And so may the prayers of our lips, the songs of our hearts shared in this holy hour of worship be with us now and in our days to come. Blessed be and Happy New Year.